0: welcome 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 to another episode of small talk no more i'm alex and i'm today joined by jessica driscoll from digital catapult hello jessica hi alex nice to meet you uh nice to meet you too thank you so much for joining Just see, before we start, I'd like to understand first what your role within Digital Catapult is. And how this select to create uh, Creative XR.
1: Okay, so my role at Digital Catapult is the head of immersive technology. So I look after all of the immersive technology side at Digital Catapult, including commercial work, the collaborative research and development programs, and our, our accelerators. One of which is Creative XR for the content, and then we have another accelerator called Augmentor, which is to help early stage businesses um, receive finance and match them with investors and help them with their pitches and stuff. So that's um, Yeah, I look after everything immersive at Digital Catapult, basically. And the program was founded in 2017 by Digital Catapult and the Arts Council. And Mm. they noticed that there was a need to help creators to um, make prototypes uh, and um, iterate on maybe narrative forms that didn't exist yet or to experiment with interaction and to create that prototype to receive further funding. Because it was quite difficult for people to Mm. commit to a million pounds, for instance, if they couldn't see or experience the product
0: okay um so two questions at the back of that one is was this a joint initiative with the arts council or, or is the arts council involvement was just you know given the funds to start the process it's a joint initiative partnership oh interesting so um as that partnership are they going to do any sort of you know collaboration in bringing in arts and you know some of uh events as well or what what is that uh, collaboration going to entail
1: so um the collaboration is we we split the the running costs and then we also have sponsors um last year and this year so this year we've got um the bfi story futures academy um and epic games so they've all put money in this year yeah which is great congratulations and i guess the the arts so we i guess we are experts in the technology side and we also hold all of the relationships within the immersive ecosystem. And then Arts Council bring all of their contacts and all of their expertise on the arts and heritage side. So museums, artists, galleries, all of that kind of um, that world, I suppose. So then putting them together is creative XR.
0: Hmm. Okay, so from the point of view of an accelerator, um, is this a potential unicorn? Um, and let me just explain my thought process there. So This started in 2017 with no oversight of, you know, everyone going and staying at home and needed at at home um, experiences. And, you know, there's obviously been a a huge increase on everything to do with live streaming and um, every creative they can think of. They just jumped on that same boat to go and do live streaming and, and everyone, everyone has tried to come up with, you know, the most creative ideas, the most creative ways, whether it's like doing a live streaming and, and setting it up in draw over a whole to, you know, everyone doing a little live stream in the living rooms. So from the point of view of an investor and the point of view of an accelerator, is um, creative exile one of them um, um, odd uh, events that happen once in a blue moon, which is, you know, you've got a startup that is launched at the perfect time to actually start getting you know more investment and you know it's got that sort of juicy point that you've got to sell and you know the the unique selling point is a lot stronger because of the um environment is making that selling point a lot more interesting
1: yeah definitely so i think that on so Creative XR is a purely content accelerator. So when mm. um, the investors invest, they invest in that particular project as opposed to the company. But I completely agree with that because um, this year... We've, we've historically um, funded a lot of location-based experiences. So things yep. at tour, things are in museums, things are in galleries, et cetera. But this year, because of COVID, a lot of the projects have pivoted to at home. So there's lots mm. of um, AR with a pop-up book, for instance. There's lots of AR at home, lots of VR for distribution at home. So yes, that has really kind of focused everybody and um, shine the light on it. And also because of the lack of other investment opportunities, um, for yep. example, one of our companies last year uh, were just about to do a very big deal with NBC to roll out to their theme parks but of course theme parks are closed now so they pivoted to at home and then they did um they did their offering remotely online using a mobile app with the binaural sound it was absolutely great so yeah it it has accelerated the uptake I think and the interest in at home immersive experiences Mm -hmm. for sure
0: and have you found any sort of um objections from existing life entertainment. So, um, now everyone's trying to push for, you know, say the summer festival circuit, and that tends to be quite important for, uh, I'm talking now, you know, music artists. So the summer festival circuit is quite important in terms of, you know, promoting an album, etc. So, um, Companies that are in live entertainment, they're obviously trying to push for that because it also amounts for one of the largest amount of cash that they get throughout the year. So have you found any sort of uh, constraints or objections from companies like this saying, you know, you guys should not um, incentivize for people to stay at home uh, to enjoy these experiences and you should actually support us to do live entertainment end on site so have you found any sort of objections like this or are they quite on board or are you receiving support from companies like
1: that um a lot of the discussion is around hybrid so how do we do some live event stuff and how do we do digital stuff so we're working on another project which isn't part of creative xr but it's called the 5g festival so it's about Mm. how to leverage live event venues Mm. using 5g to reach wider audiences at home but also have element of live performance so say for example in this socially distant world you can't have 500 people in the Audience, you might only be able to have fifty people, but then how do you reach that five thousand people, for instance? And then how do you monetize that? And another thing that um, live events companies, so you know, in live events, they've got massive LED screens on all of the mm. concert stages, um, exhibition halls, etc. Now, loads of those LED screens are being used for virtual production stage sets. So, LED screen at the back. Projecting whatever you want on it, you know, the Great Wall, the jungle, mm-hmm. London, and then the actor is in front of it and then using technology like the Mandalorian shoot, you know, where it, it looks wow. like. Yeah. So that's what lots of live entertainment LED stages are doing now are pivoting to this to use immersive technologies to help them during this time so I wouldn't say there was pushback I would say that there was a lot of interest and collaboration and people are really thinking okay what can we do to bridge the gap um, and how can we further use these technologies because the world might never be the same it might completely go Mm -hmm. back to how it was but yeah Yeah. I I wouldn't say pushback I'd say people were very interested in discussing how to use technology
0: Mm -hmm. okay and um another question that I've got from that so again we we're gonna be recording this on a Friday, and then I do know that next week you guys are gonna be announcing some of these events as well so um in order to just to get a general idea of how it works with the creative xr is there any weight put more towards say um i don't know music is there more towards theater is it more towards gaming or is more of an even playing field for different parts of live entertainment?
1: Um, I would say this year, well, we've got a whole range. So we've got a range from um, dance. So two of the performances in particular are um, dance performances. One is combined with AI and projection mapping. And then the other one is a VR experience with motion capture. Um, we've got uh, experiences that have to do with K-pop, um, with architecture, nice. um, mm. documentary filmmaking, uh we we, yeah so a whole spread really so one of them is about um how to make music with your body so um you know you're you're already experiencing sound so you understand how um sound editing works and how making music works but for someone Mm -hmm. who doesn't understand that and who can't think about you know oh how do you equalize how do you put up a bass? how do you do this you can do it physically um in the vr world so you can get a uh, I don't know, a bass line and put it here, and then you can get some drums and put them here and you can visualize how to make music spatially. So that's a really exciting project. So yeah, mm. a, a big mix. There isn't really a leaning towards one or the other this year.
0: Okay. No, that sounds really interesting. And just for further clarification, um Creative XR is the software being used. So it's not the hardware. So the VR glasses?
1: It? No, so Creative XR is just the name of the program and the okay. the hardware and software, there's a whole range. So some people are okay. using augmented reality with mobile phones. Some people mm. are using virtual reality with a range of different headsets. One okay. of the companies, or two of the companies are using HoloLens, um, which is the, the clear yep. visor to see um, augmented reality through. Some are not using anything at all. It's screen-based, but using those virtual production techniques that I mentioned before with the LED screen and the actor in front of it Mm. um and there are a couple of screen-based projects uh and then and then other there's another one that uses um a mixture of 5G, virtual reality, 360 film, and haptics. So things that vibrate, wow. things that you can touch. Mm. So that is particularly for a neurodiverse audience in schools, children mm-hmm. who have um, learning disabilities and cannot go to the theatre. So they bring the theatre to them, to the classroom. Oh, and nice. it's a fully immersive world with a 5G performer streamed in, and the children have a, a multi sensory experience.
0: So do you think that this is. Um part of the evolution of live entertainment where you can attract um, an audience that, you know, potentially cannot really afford going to to expensive events. So, you know, a lot of the times you've got really, you know, high overheads when you're putting up an event, say at the O2, or if you've got a big festival. And there's a lot of people that, because of financial um, uh, issues, they cannot really experience that sort of thing. So do you think that... um, you know, programs like this is, is going to in two ways. One, um, expand the the reach that an event is going to have. So attracting wider audience, not just... So if you've got an event in, in London, you're not just attracting London audience, you might attract people that want to buy a ticket in Argentina. And number two... Um, also bring in culture and life events to people that might have, uh, you know, more financial struggles to be able to pay for a full ticket, say at the O2 or, you know, a big festival in the summer.
1: I hope so. Um, I hope that this technology will continue to democratise access and also to drive down costs because, you know, like you said, uh, an example of going to the O2, if you're a family with two kids, you've got to Mm. pay for the transportation there. If you don't live in London, you have to pay for the hotel. You have to buy them some food. Then they want the merchandise and they want this, you know. And that is a very, very expensive experience. And also, like you said, it totally limits the people that can come because they have to be in the geographical radius. But Mm. if you can use these kind of technologies. So I think historically, VR headsets have been quite expensive and a high barrier to entry, but mobile AR is really, really easy. So, um, Mm. you know, for example, one of the experiences is called Monkey Nation and it's been created by the Royal Opera House and Ham, the illustrator. And they've collaborated to make this really great mobile AR experience that is going to form, I guess, the precursor to uh, a trap opera. So two um, genres colliding there that don't generally. And um, the the concept is amazing. You know, it's um, focusing on climate change and how, and also it's about, um, allowing other people uh different audiences more diverse audiences to access this kind of technology and to talk about these kind of topics so mm. i i really hope that this kind of technology does you know um keep on uh you know trying to drive down the cost and the access um another project that we did that we supported last year called darkfield um, they did uh, an activation called darkfield radio so instead mm. of having to go um, to a location to do the experience. Their experiences are amazing, actually. They're in um, shipping containers and you go in um, and it's completely dark. So one of them's wow. done like a, a, like bunk beds and you go in and lie down, you've got the um, headphones on and then you have the most amazing spatial sound and it's absolutely mm. terrifying. And there are two other experiences as well. And I was thinking, okay, can they translate this to an at-home experience? And when I did the experience at home, I was just as terrified as I was in the shipping container and you sat opposite each other. So I sat opposite my husband, we closed our eyes, we did the experience and we opened our eyes and went, Oh my God. And again, we didn't have to travel anywhere. My husband never goes anywhere because he's always working. So that was a great date night in lockdown for us. So yeah. yeah, And for a fantastic price. So that was really great. So I hope that uh, these projects will be able to continue in that vein until there's a hybrid model where they can potentially do some location based stuff and then some stuff
0: for others okay um you just raised a really interesting point and it's something that really I was quite curious to ask you about which is um there's a lot of skepticism around um you know the live experience is not the same as doing it at home um you know like um I'm working with artists and uh, we hear a lot of feedback saying well it's not the same watching it on a screen than you know going to live which is you know a fair point when you go into a concert you don't just pay for seeing the artist performing, you pay for, you know, hearing the crowd singing with you, 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 you know, being pushed and, you know, being able to tell stories like that. I said, you know, I went there, I lost my phone, but I had the best time of my life. Um, so there's a lot of, um, skeptical thinking around the fact that, you know, going or watching a event or having an experience at home is not translatable, um, from an actual life setting. So, um, have you, have you found that sort of feedback as well? Or what is, what would you have to, to say to, to people that are skeptical about, you know, experiencing stuff at home, as opposed to going into your life?
1: Um, I think that's a really good question. And I think that in many ways, you can never replicate any of those things. You know, you you won't be able to lose your phone and you won't be able to spontaneously bump into somebody, but maybe you will later. And I think that the more people are thinking about how to create exciting um, audience experiences that that don't only start when you turn the experience on. So maybe you get delivered something beforehand. Maybe you have to phone a friend and make sure you're online together. Maybe you, get a gift and then you put the t-shirt on and then you feel part of it you know maybe there are some steps to make a more kind of coordinated audience experience and i also think that at the moment our networks um our internet is still not fast enough to give a kind of zero latency experience especially when it comes to music or communicating with somebody else. Because you know what Zoom's like, you're you're trying to figure out who's speaking, you don't know who's going to talk next. And the sound isn't spatial. But when you're in a virtual world, the sound is spatial. And Mm. you you can feel who's going to talk next. And you know, someone's on my left, someone's on my right, someone's walking away from me, they don't want to talk to me anymore. Someone's Mm. coming closer to me, and you can feel their proximity. So I think that when people start to really think about how, what is that fan experience and what is that audience experience? Maybe we will come one step closer to that. But I agree. I I absolutely love all kinds of realities, especially virtual, but I agree, you know, nothing can beat being in a concert with another 10,000 people next to your best friend and you're, you know, standing up and screaming, but then what about people who can't access that for whatever reason, like the people you mentioned earlier, people who don't live in the country, Mm. what if um, accessibility issues don't allow you to come, you know, what if you're older and, um, you know, you're infirm and you can't make the concert but you would really like to visit the Albert Hall for the classical music, etc., you know, I think that technology's got the ability to service lots of different audiences, but there'll always be a space for live performance, COVID permitting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, on the commercial side of things, so something that's uh, obviously quite important is brand partnerships. So if you've got a live event, um, you usually have, you know, sponsored by X, Y, and Z. And uh, do you think that, um, you know, programs like Creative x are, are going to, promote at least an entry point for brands that you know might not potentially have the initiative to go and sponsor a live event where whether it's dance music or you know um do you think it's going to promote a entry point for brands that usually don't go ahead to um you know sponsor or to partner up for a particular event or do you think that um the feedback so far has been that people are still a bit skeptical in terms of investing money for um online experiences
1: i think that drawing a little bit on my experience creating um Immersive, te- immersive tech stuff for brands previously. I think mm. that brands are really excited to try things and to try new things. And they and they wanted to experiment with VR and they wanted to experiment with AR, et cetera. But what brands haven't figured out yet, I don't think, is what is the actual ROI? What are the mm. impact measurements? So is reach more important than other impact measurements? Because usually it is, you know, I've reached whatever, 50,000, 100,000, a million people, as opposed yeah. to I reached... 2000 people, but in a really different way. And also, I think that the repeatable um Experience or series of concerts or series of tours hasn't really been cracked yet by immersive experiences they're more one off activations like um i don't know the childish Gambino activation or Nexus did a really amazing thing in one of the um i can't remember which stadium it was in America, but it was AR with um, American football so there are some amazing one off installations that are really mm-hmm. really exciting or a big experiment but that's a lot of investment for one thing. So, yeah. with Creative XR, we've try- been trying to um, help the, the teams think about: okay, is this a series of experiences? Like one of the experiences is called the History of Painting, and they want to um, they want to provide uh, a series of these experiences. So it's not just a one off. So if you invest yeah. in the headset and you invest in their solution you know you can run it over a number of times and the same with some of the other experiences so what's that kind of repeatable content format and Mm -hmm. I think that brands haven't quite cracked that yet it's you know oh what's what's the what's the big um the big kind of showstopper what can we spend this budget on instead of why don't we think about how we could do this over the course of a year to engage people or the the season or whatever if it was related to a series
0: Hmm. so do you think it's it's quite difficult to um speak technology you know speak the technology topic to to brands um do you think that they still have like a very old school way of thinking in terms of promoting their brand and partnering up with you know another art form um or is it just to do with is, is it just to do with the fact that they don't they're not fully convinced about spending the money Onto something like this, They say old school thinking, or you know, not wanting to spend? Really,
1: I think it's a mixture of the two, and it depends on um, who the brands are looked after by. If they're looked after by really, really big agencies, they move slower. Mm. They've got much more old school way of thinking. But I think um, you know, smaller, younger brands are um, probably more awake to the fact that they need to do something. Um, mm. But I think also that thing that I mentioned a little bit earlier, calculating that return on investment, how do they do that? Because they there aren't really good measures to do that with immersive technology yet. So okay. I think that when that's improved and when you can show people what the return on investment is, what the impact has been, and, and you know how to leverage that, I think people will be more keen to invest in a longer term solution as opposed to yes. just a one-off thing.
0: Okay. No, that's really, really interesting, actually. Um, so... I, I guess that you guys already have um confirmed some of the events um that are gonna be happening in the course of like the next couple of months or the whole of 2021. Um <coughs> sorry. So a question that I've got is um around fashion. Something that has been quite affected has been the fact that, you know, brands have not been able to to take part on catwalk shows and you know the usual um fashion weeks. Um, and that usually tends to be like a quite important event happening throughout uh, throughout the year. So not just for luxury brands, but then within the fashion weeks, there's also smaller events where smaller brands can also go and showcase and attract buyers and stuff. So um, has fashion been also part of the um, approach for Creative XR? Is there any fashion brands that have been... Uh, given one of the events or is there something that still hasn't really been implemented on 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 that front
1: so we don't have any um fashion stuff um this year in creative xr but we did run um a masterclass or an event called uh let me see um i'll, I'll grab it the exact title the future of digital fashion with the fashion innovation agency a little while ago mm-hmm. and um we had uh two companies talking about what they've been doing um, with uh, fashion and immersive technology one is called satori studios who were also on creative xr this year and they actually um created a, a project called hatched which is uh, a, a twitter opera um about donald trump um <laughs> but exactly exactly it's very 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 funny uh using virtual production donald trump um comes to life from his twitter feed which is (laughs) Uh, Equally fascinating and terrifying. Um, But they've done some really, really amazing um, work in bringing fashion to life with immersive technologies. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was another company called Groundwave, which uses haptic technology um, in trainers. Uh, to give you um, a kind of music and sound vibration while you're walking around. They're, they're really mm. cool. And um, there was a, a project in last year's Creative XR called Save Your Wardrobe, which um, was centered around making people aware of sustainable fashion choices. So, yeah, exactly. So um, there's there's been some stuff done um, in fashion, but not in Creative XR this year specifically.
0: In your opinion, what what is the new opportunities coming up for um, event organizers or anyone that's putting together some sort of live experience? What is a new opportunity for for 2021? So, you know, imagine, hopefully not, but imagine we have to go into another lockdown and, you know, performances keep being canceled or all of that. So what is the... good opportunity for people to start considering for next year and what could be the involvement of say creative xr on those opportunities
1: so I think that for 2021 it's probably going to be um, primarily at home experiences for immersive technology, so mobile AR, um, spatial and binaural sound, so nothing with visuals, just audio, um, yeah. multiplayer games um, online, for example, um, that you can build in something like Unity or Unreal, maybe mm. using AR filters. so there's a very interesting project on this year's Creative XR called Corptopia, and um, what you do is you sit in front of your computer and your camera's turned on and you have an interaction with live actors plus your friends and you have to um, complete a certain amount of challenges. And then you have AR filters over the top of you that turn you into these fantastical animals from the world of Corptopia and you complete levels. And by completing the challenges, you level up. So it's a mixture of gaming, live entertainment, but you don't need a headset or a mobile phone. It's done via your computer with a webcam. So I think there's going to be a lot more kind of hybrid experiences like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that experiences where you can do it with family members or with co-workers you know people will want to do something else other than just sit on a zoom call and have a quiz I think people will be thinking how can we leverage that and also the connection between physical objects and digital experiences as well so maybe um, like a couple of our projects this year the invited and story portals you will get delivered um, a beautiful book and you'll be able to have an augmented reality experience in connection with that. So, exactly. yeah. Um, and then in terms of hybrid experiences for later part, hopefully when we're allowed outside again, I think that experimenting with 5G to get very fast, low latency experiences. And also mm. um, a Digital Catapult, we've got a big focus on cross technology. So using things like AI plus immersive. So maybe um, virtual characters. So augmented, um, sorry artificial intelligent characters uh, in virtual environments so maybe you know it would be me and you and then there'd be a character there and we could talk to that but by mm. inputting some information before it would know you know what you were interested in what i was interested in and take us on a journey together that's all yeah. still at very nascent stages but um yeah i'm i'm really excited about the uh, the potential of virtual characters
0: this is really interesting so um Another question for you is um, obviously CreativeXR needs to select the events that they're going to put together out of a multiple, uh, you know, a, a, a wide range of events that are submitted, right? So what are some of the key boxes that an event needs to tick, in order to be accepted as part of, of the program?
1: So, we've got a number of um, criteria for success. So, one of them that it, it needs to be an original idea. So, some original IP, you can't have um, used someone else's. Or, for example, if you've already got a story, I don't know, the little girl and the dog, um, and it's already been on TV and it's already been somewhere else, we probably won't select that because you've already done that. So, original IP, um, original use of technology. So, not just um, a, maybe a standard kind of 360 or VR experience. It needs to be something extra, something more. So, pushing the back boundaries of technology Um, interesting collaborations so for example um, this year we had uh, the English Touring Theatre plus the National Theatre and then they did their um, experience with Dimension Studio who do volumetric capture so you know very different worlds coming together there to, to create something interesting Um, we are really looking for new voices diverse audiences as well so you know not uh, this year we've done really really well we've got um 16 out of the 20 teams are led by women so cheer for the girls nice and a really really diverse audience as well coming from different ethnic backgrounds as well which is absolutely fantastic so um yeah different voices um new new takes on things um and not that we didn't want to pick things that were fun. And I don't know whether this was a consequence of what's been happening in the world. But lots of the topics were very um, intense. Um, for example, uh, U.S. politics, climate change, mm. violence against women, um, the partition in India. So really kind of like, uh, you know, topics with a lot of gravitas, I suppose. There weren't yeah. so many kind of uh, quote unquote fun as they have been in previous years, so um, this year we were probably leaning towards things that were quite um, meaningful, I suppose. But that's not to say that some of them aren't fun. Some of them are really, really fun too.
0: Okay, no, that sounds sounds really interesting. So when when are you guys going to announce the the events? <laughs> when is the date?
1: So our showcase this year is from um, the 1st of December to the 3rd so that's when um, we've got our guests from all over the world coming to our digital platform to um, hear the pictures from the cohort look at the prototypes etc and then we're not sure yet about next year's cohort when we're going to be announcing the opening of the competition but when we when we find out I'll let you know.
0: Okay awesome. So let's um, wrap it up now with uh, some advice. So what are your top three tips for uh, professionals in the live event industry?
1: So I think my top three tips would be, um, you know, firstly don't be discouraged um there is light at the end of the tunnel um to take one example uh a company called universal pixels that i met this summer they um had traditionally provided led screens for live events and then they pivoted to providing them for um virtual production stages so you know think about what you have and how it could be changed you know so don't you know don't don't lose heart secondly think about who you can collaborate with. So if you have um, a certain expertise in one field, um, live events, try to partner with someone else digital. You know, who else? For example, um, Melody VR, they stream amazing um, uh, virtual concerts. Mm -hmm. You know, could you talk to somebody like that? And I think third um, talk to your audience, if you can find some way to find out, you know, what, what are people looking for? What do people want? Um, think about a price point, you know, how could we, um, change, uh, an event into a virtual event and, and get some revenue from it because there's a lot of free content out there, mm-hmm. but are you offering something special that you could yeah. generate some income from? So yeah, those would be my top three tips really, and, uh, hold on tight. Hopefully it won't be long
0: well jessica thank you so much uh, it's been really really interesting genuinely to to chat with you today and um i look forward to to some of the events happening um in the coming weeks brilliant thank you very much for having me pleasure and that was uh, our episode for today thank you so much my name is alex and this is small talk no more we'll see you again next week